my subject for this morning is knowing Jesus. And um, I'm going to talk first about what it means to know Him, to know God. And secondly, how you can know Him. And then I will pray for all of you who want to practice that and get to know Him deeper. All right? Is that okay? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this privilege that we have, that we are gathered in the name above all names. And you have promised that we are, when we're gathered in his name, you are here in the midst of us. You're walking among us here this morning. Even those who are listening by uh, internet, Father, we thank you that you want to visit every heart this morning and speak to us. Please, by your Holy Spirit, speak to each and every one in this place and those listening through the broadcast. We thank you so much and we give you all the praise and all the glory for what you are about to do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, first I want to say that um, knowing God, knowing Jesus, that's the ultimate goal and meaning of life. Let's go to John, Gospel of John, chapter 17, and uh, we're going to read verse 3. Uh, John 17 and verse 3, it says, And this is eternal life. Do we have scriptures going on here? Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> Getting used to the, to the technical aspects here. All right. And this is eternal life. This is Jesus praying that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what eternal life is all about, to know him. All right, and I'm going to read another passage as well from 1 John chapter 1. And from verse 1 there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. That's a presentation of Jesus that John had been with for three years. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So this is eternal life, to have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, knowing Him. And let me say right away, this is not, there is a huge difference between knowing about Him Knowing about God and knowing Him in a personal, 
and experiential, I should say, not experimental, but experiential (laughs) way that you have experienced him, that you have fellowship with him. And actually the word in the Greek as well as in the Hebrew for knowing God is the same word that is used about the intimate relationship between husband and wife in marriage. You know, it says in Genesis chapter 1 that Adam knew Eve, okay? It doesn't mean, and she conceived and bore a son. And that doesn't mean she, he just knew about her. They had intimate relationship. That is the word that is used. Also, for instance, in Matthew chapter 1 about Joseph and Mary uh, describing the marit- uh, marriage relationship there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. And it says in, I believe it is in verse 24 and 25. Uh, We're going to read here. I'm in Malachi. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, It says here, When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called him Jesus. So this is the word knowing that is used about this is eternal life to know you the only true God and the one you have sent. To know him personally, intimately. All right, that's a very, very strong word. So... um, Let me go to another passage here to show you how powerful this knowledge is in our life. Going back to 1 John uh, again and chapter 4. All right, 1 John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can go there. Otherwise, you look at the screen. And we're going to read 1 John chapter 4 and... um, Boy, I need to learn to be more quick here. Verse 7 and 8. Beloved, listen to this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You see that? Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. So here we have a true test. It doesn't matter how many scripture verses you can quote by heart. If you do not love people, you don't know God. Because God is love. If you you have truly gotten to know who God is, that will produce a love in your life. It's a very powerful test. We can claim to know God, but if our actions... Do not prove that. We don't know him. So that is so very important. Here's another passage as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. To see if we truly know God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 3 to 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one 
of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. So here we see we are beginning, we are going to begin to act differently in our standards, in our, when it comes to sexual purity and morality, if we truly know God, because God is a, not only a God of love, God is a holy God. And if we know him, we are going to begin to act different than the world that does not know God. Romans 12 and verse 2 says that do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can test what is the will of God. Our minds need to be renewed in understanding who God is that he is a holy God, and then we will begin to act different than people in the world. Okay? So I'm going to give you some um, serious passages of Scripture here to show you what, uh, what we, how, we, how important it is that we personally get to know God. First of all, it's not enough going to church as good that as is, and as important as that is, that is not enough for you to spend one or two hours a week or three hours maybe here in church is really not enough for you to get to know him. And I want us to read a powerful passage about this from Luke chapter 13. Uh, is this the, my beard making a problem? I don't want to shave, but maybe I need to. <laughs> All right. Luke chapter 13, verse 23 to 28. Um, this is why I asked for, for uh, as much time as I need, because I want to read Scripture. There's nothing as powerful as listening to what the Word of God says. So here in verse 23, And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, say many. many, many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. If you want to seek uh, to enter and you're not able, we want to pray for you this morning to give you grace to walk that narrow, narrow way and, and going into the narrow door. Um, okay. For many, uh, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open for us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. In other words, I don't know you. And then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Jesus himself, they had been listening to him teaching, just like we do in church, okay? We ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. 
they had not gotten to know him to change their lives. And Jesus said, I don't know you. Even though they had heard him teach and preach, they had listened to him. They said, like if you and I maybe would say, Lord, we went to church every Sunday. We heard the best preacher there is. How can we be shut out? But they never took time to get to know him personally. To come to that door and it, finding it closed one day and Jesus tell us, I don't know you. We don't want that, do we? So we need to get to know him. That's very serious. Another thing I want to say, and this is very, very serious as well. It's not even enough to just be born again. That's a good start, and that is a necessary start. But that is just like a baby being born. If you are born again, but uh, you have entered into the kingdom, but you need to grow and learn to know him. And I want to read a passage from Matthew chapter 25. You, you sit here maybe and, and feel like you're being shaken by this, and that's a purpose, because we need to be shaken to realize, do we really know him? This is the parable of the ten virgins. Notice in this parable that all of them were virgins going out to meet the bridegroom. No sinner would do that. Those who are not saved, those who are not born again, they will not go out to meet the bridegroom, which is Jesus. They are not even interested in him. They don't know who he is. But here we find the story. Let's read from verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lambs and went to meet the bridegroom. See, they were all believers. But, verse 2, five of them were foolish and five were wise. For then when the foolish took their lambs, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lambs. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lambs, and the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lambs are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Listen, you can never live on somebody else's faith. You cannot live on your parents' faith, or you cannot live on your preacher's faith, or anybody around you. You have to purchase oil for yourself. Okay, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. We went out to meet you. But he answered, truly I say to you, I don't know you. Wow. Watch therefore. Okay, so this is very, very serious. Do we know him? 
Do we know him personally? Do we know him intimately? Okay, are we being changed by him transforming our lives because we're getting to know him? Now here's an even more serious passage. It's not even enough to be used by God. I'm talking from the Bible. Let's read Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read from verses 21 to 23. This is maybe the most serious passage I know in the entire Bible. At least one of them. Listen. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, many, notice that, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name. I mean, this is hard to comprehend. The next verse here. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Like I said, this is the Bible. This is not my words. This is... Hard to even understand how you can be used by God in such a powerful way. And yet, many who have been used like that will one day hear Jesus himself saying, I never knew you. This is very serious. It doesn't mean, of course, that all charismatic and Pentecostal people will go to hell. No. <laughs> but according to Jesus... Many will. Now that is serious. We don't want to hear him say, I never knew you. So how can we get to know him? So I will give you three points that I hope you will never forget. How you can get to know the Lord. Knowing it's not enough for you to just go to church to even the best church there is, where Jesus himself, even if he would be here teaching you. Okay? It's not enough even if you have given your life to him to be born again. You must learn to grow in that relationship and get to know him until he truly becomes your best friend. And even if you, God should use you, it is in fact easy to be occupied with that and forget our personal intimate relationship with him hallelujah so the first thing read your bible every day simple but it is the truth either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book uh, that's what I learned when I grew up in, in Sunday school. That's what they taught me. But it's still so true. Either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. 
So like I said in the commercial here before, if you don't even have time to read it, you can listen to it on podcast, but get the Word of God into your life because that's where you begin to get to know Him. This is the revelation of who God is. This is the revelation of who Jesus is because He's the living Word and this is the written Word. And you will never get to know him better than you know this book. All right, let's read a couple of scriptures about this. First, the first one is from John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. I'm much faster in my Swedish Bible, believe me, I'm sorry here. I'm not preaching in, in America so much. Okay. Verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, that should be all of us here, if you abide or remain in my word, you are truly my disciples. And that's what we want to be. We want to be disciples who are taught by him. And the way he will teach us is by us abiding in what he has said in this book. All right. And then it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm going to read another powerful passage here from John 14. I love this. This is so amazing. All right. From verse 21. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments, in other words, my sayings, what I have said, my word, and keeps them, he is who it is who loves me. All right? And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, isn't that powerful? That's how you get to know him. Whoever has my commandments, this book should be more dear to you than your daily bread, your, I mean, physical bread. Because man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed from the mouth of God. So, once again, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me. So we prove our love to him by sticking close to what he has said. That's the test. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now you have to understand, God loves us in an unending way, just like we have been singing here this morning. But just like it is with our children, if they do what we say, there is something of, an, something of our hearts that warm up and we really begin to, uh, you know, it just goes beyond the basic love you have because they are our children. Isn't that true? So that's the same with God. If we love him, we, then we will keep his word, his commandments. And God says, wow, 
this is something. He is truly loving me. I'm going to love him. And I am going to manifest myself to him. I'm going to make myself known to him. Hallelujah. And then Judas, verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Once again, verse 23, even more powerful. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He will move in <laughs> to live with you. If you keep his word, this book should be more dear to you, like I said, even than life itself. This is what you, will get you to know who God is. Amen. It's not enough to just come and listen to a few verses here in church once a week. Dig into the Word. Read it every day. Amen. Hallelujah. So, the second thing. This is the number one thing. If you really want to get to know Jesus, you have to keep His Word. You have to abide in His Word. This Word has to be the number one thing in your life. Number two. You must begin to talk to Him and fellowship with Him. By praying every day. We've just witnessed this fantastic wedding that, uh, between Brad and Joseph's son Joshua and his bride. And we could tell they are in love with one another. So when you are in love, it's like, it's not like, oh, do I have to talk to her today too? <laughs> I mean, all right, I'll try. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? No, you want, to, you want to fellowship. Because that is what prayer is all about. You need to long for that place of fellowshipping with Him in prayer every day. Or there is something not right with you in your relationship with Him. We are His bride. He is the bridegroom. And so that should be our number one passion to be close to him and to talk to him. A famous verse here from Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. When I grew up, we used this when we wanted to lead people to Jesus. But this is written to believers. Okay? Behold, Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock the door of our hearts. And, he, I, and it says, if anyone hears my voice, God is calling up for us and opens the door. I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Ah, this is fellowship that Jesus is inviting us to, to this fellowship of breaking bread, so to speak, on a daily basis with him from his word and by us fellowshipping with him, opening up our door wide to talk to him, to get to know him. I want to read also a passage from the Song of Songs, chapter 2. This is so powerful. 
the end of verse 13. I hope you have that on the screen here. The end of verse, maybe only have verse 14, but I will read the end of verse 13 then. This is the bridegroom, Jesus, speaking to his bride, to us. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Come away from the crowd. Come away to be with me, alone with me. Let's get to know one another. And then he says to the bride, Oh, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face and let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. That is what Jesus is longing for, for you and me. For you to say with your lips, your voice to him, expressing yourself to him in prayer. I love you. Wow. It's one thing to do that here in church when everybody else is singing, I love you, I love you, I love you. But you know, Jesus said, come away with me. You know, when you are alone, when the two of you, the two of us, we're just together. Let me hear your voice speak to me in prayer every day. And we will get to know one another passionately, intimately. And then the door is going to be open for you when you see him face to face. Finally, we are together. I know you. Wow. So how, how can you do this? Some practical things here. Five minutes left. All right. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Be alone with him. And pray to your father who is in secret. Let's notice that. Pray to your Father who is in secret. In the secret place that is just you and Him. Do you hear that this morning? That's how you get to know Him. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Pray to your Father who is in secret. And then I, I love this. It says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do you know prayer is more than what you say? Prayer is when you go to that place and you bend your knees, you go, get down on your knees. Oh, heaven takes note because that's prayer. And then you begin to talk to him. Let me give you some practical things here in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. This is talking about the, one of the greatest men of prayer we know in the Old Testament. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, what document was it? That he was not allowed to pray for 30 days to God. Or if he did, he would be thrown to the lions, be their lunch, Quickly, you know. But he said he didn't care because this was his number one priority to talk to God. That's how committed we should be to pray 
daily. Look what it says about Daniel, who was highly beloved by God, it says. Um, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber. You see, number one, he had a place where he used to go to pray every day. That's what we should have. A place to pray to God every day. Do you hear me? You don't want the door to be shut to heaven one day because Jesus says, I don't know you. This is life and death for us. It is heaven or hell. He had a place where he knelt down, it says, uh, and that's very powerful, like I just said to you, where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem, toward God, and he got down on his knees. Three, that shows our humility. Bowing before God is an expression for our humility, how we can get to know him, because God loves the humble. He gives grace to those who humble themselves before him. You can sit and pray. You can walk and pray. You can stand and pray. You can drive and pray. But there is something special with you and me on a daily basis, just bowing our knees to God Almighty. That's what Daniel did three times a day. So the, the third thing, he had a place of prayer. It can be at the foot of your bed. Or it can be a special room, however fancy you want to make it. Just have a place where you pray. People in a prison cell still can have that as a place of prayer. But have a place where you walk and talk with God on a daily basis. And then it says, and he prayed, not only prayed, but he gave thanks to God. That's so important. To thank him and praise him. If that's all you do one day, then, well, you have done well. Hallelujah. That's not what we do only in church. God loves those who visit him in the secret place and will reward them. Okay? He gave thanks to his God as he had previously done. So he, has, he had this as a habit that he would not even break with, even in the face of death. And he shook hell. You can be one of those who can shake the gates of hell with your prayers. Hallelujah. Then the third thing. Oh, I wished I had 30 minutes and I only have 35 seconds. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> because this was the most important point I actually wanted to make. If you want to get to know him, take up your cross and follow him. Take up your cross and follow him. Matthew 16. Oh, this is what God will reward. He will, he will honor you when we... It says in verse 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Why? For whoever saves his life, that is his own life, what, he what you want to do, what you think, what you desire. But if you let go of that and instead take up your cross to deny yourself, then it says, uh, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. 
but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Hallelujah. This is so powerful. And I'm going to, uh, I have a couple of more scriptures I would like to, to uh, quote here and then I will end. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Getting to know Jesus. This was Paul's passion. We're going to read from verse 8 and uh, on maybe even to verse 14 if I have time. But let's look here. Paul is saying, indeed, I count everything as loss. He took up his cross and forsook everything to get to know Jesus. All right? I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, lay a hold of him, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on trust or faith. Verse 10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. And I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, let me tell you, there are two sides to the cross. And many times today we only preach half the message of the cross. The first message of the cross is that Jesus died for our sins to make us right with God, that all our sins might be forgiven. And many times we stop there. But the second message of the cross is this. You go beyond the cross to die to self, to be resurrected with resurrection life on the other side. So very few go to come to that place and that's why we see so little power in the church today. Because we don't have the heart of Paul when he says, even that I will share in his death, that I might also not only die to my own self and my own life, but be raised to life and walk in resurrection power. That's what the world wants to see. They want to see Jesus alive in you and I when He lives inside of us. Oh, that we get to know Him, friends. I, I said two passages and Brad has not waved me down yet. The final one. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6. You see, this is what we need to get to, to come to. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life 
by the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. I, I added those extra words, words there, but that's what it means. For if we, look at this, if we have been united with Him in a death like His, that's what Paul prayed, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His, in power by the Father's glory. Don't you want to be, manifest that power and glory by that new life? Hallelujah. Not just be satisfied by being forgiven of your sin, but to die to self, take up your cross, that He might live His life through you. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. If you desire this new life with Him this morning, if you want to rededicate your life to walk this, this life in resurrection power by denying yourself, I invite you to come to the altar this morning. I don't know how you do altar calls here. Brad will do his part also later. But let's have the worship here. And uh, Brad, may you come up to me maybe and help me here. If you have a longing, friend, not just to be forgiven of sin, which is something you accept in the moment by trusting in what Jesus did on the cross for you. But you want to take that second step to die to your own self, to take up the cross, to forsake all, to give up your own life, that He will begin to live His resurrection life through you. I want you to come forward and kneel here at the front and I, I'm going to pray for you. There might be somebody here, but I, I would expect that all of us, you want to get to know Jesus better. You want to receive grace to say no to self, to die to self, to live with Him. Brad, you go ahead. Church, why don't you hop up on your feet? Listen, this might be the first time in your life or the first time in a long time that you've ever responded to the Lord like this. I'd like our prayer team to come down to the front as well. Remember, there were 10 virgins in the parable that Jesus told, and these were, these were believers. These were church people. But in Jesus' warning, only five of them actually were ready and longing and prepared to meet the bridegroom. I think there's a lot of people in church in America. I think there's a lot of people in church in Texas. My concern is that there's a lot of people that don't really know the Lord Jesus. And like Lars was saying, they haven't truly died to themselves, died to their sin, died to this world so that they could live for Jesus. So that's what our challenge from the scriptures is today. Are you willing to actually die to yourself, die to your way of living, die to watching porn, die to sleeping with people you're not married to, die to getting high, die to getting drunk, die to getting angry, die to what you like to do so that you can live for him and do what he has called you to do. It's an all in kind of a moment. It's 
There, there's no more limp-wristed, mamby-pamby, kumbaya, kind of I'll just go to church when I feel like it. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go to church when it's convenient for me. No, this is dying to yourself so that you can live for Jesus. It's an all-in kind of a faith. And I, I, it's the only way to live. Every other way of living whether you live apart from God, whether you live as a prodigal running from God, as you live as a hypocrite who says that you're a believer but you're not exactly, man, it always leads to death. It always leads to pain. So that's the call. That's what's on the table this morning. Are you willing to really surrender your life to Jesus? Maybe you're watching online and right now your heart is beating out of your chest and you'd be like, I, I wish there's a way that I could respond. Listen, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, if that's you and you need to get right with the Lord, would you just shoot your hand up and just wave it at me? Say, preacher, today's my day. I'm gonna get right with God today. I'm gonna pray and repent of my sin. Ask God to forgive me. Come on, somebody, raise up your hand. I see one hand over here. Is there anybody else? I see one hand over there. Is there anybody else? Come on, shoot him up. So I'm gonna get right with God today. Good, 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 good. What about you? Right there in your apartment, right there in your living room, just shoot your hand up before God. and Just say, I've got to get right with God today. We're gonna do things a little bit differently today. If you need prayer, if you were one of the two that raised your hand, in a moment, I want you to come down to the altar and pray with my father-in-law. If there's sickness in your body, I want you to pray with our prayer team. If there's pain in your body, if there's pain in your heart, if there's pain in your mind, if you've got a tough decision coming up, if you've been living in fear because of the fear mongering, the church is gonna faith monger you and we wanna pray for you and encourage you in your faith. If you need prayer for any reason, but especially if you were one of the ones that today you were gonna recommit your life to the Lord. If you're watching online, we've got this Jesus wall over here. Every single one of these light bulbs are people in the last year that have surrendered their life to Jesus and we've written their name on a light bulb and screwed it into the wall and it's spelling out the name of Jesus. We wanna do that for you. So I want you to tell Text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. It's gonna send you an auto response. Please fill out that form, click submit. I want one of our pastors to pray for you, to encourage you, and we wanna screw in a light bulb for you. And if you're here in the room, of course, we want you to, to pray with you, but then we also wanna screw in a light bulb for you and start you on your journey of your walk with God or your, your, your new journey again in your walk with God. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna worship God, church. We're gonna lift our hearts. We're gonna lift our hands. We're gonna lift our voices. If you need prayer for any reason, come to the altars. If, if, if you need to recommit your life to the Lord, come pray with Lars. If you just need to come and find a place and just kneel down and just do business with God. Get, that's what the, remember, Daniel got away to a special place to be with the Lord. Just come to a special place on the altar and just be with the Lord. Start that. Commit yourself to pray every day. Commit yourself to read your Bible every day. Be honest with God and say, Lord, I, I've been a sorry Christian. I haven't really been pursuing you. And I, I commit myself to be a student of your word, to be a, a person of prayer, that I'm not going to live in sin. I, I, I'm not going to abuse your grace. I'm going to live holy. Today is your day for radical transformation. Today is your day. Let's worship and let's respond to the Lord. Come on.